Bond influencers, let's get booge. Listen to A. Thompson for an hour. I'd rather fuck a blood relative. It's A. Thompson. Yo, yo, yo. How we doing, ladies and gents? Uh, welcome to episode 193 of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. Your oft thrice weekly jump down the water slide of doom. Uh, into the swimming pool of Thameswater sewage, I guess. Um, only to be greeted by the bill for a failing water company that you paid to build in the first place and <laughs> had it stolen off you and sold to billionaires and you know only to see its dump its sewage into that swimming pool to save money and and the whole shit still goes bust and then you have to pay for it all of it hey, anyway that's that's where you're at welcome to that welcome to britain in 2023 uh and indeed a podcast that seeks to reflect that dark and depressing reality and I don't know, pepper it with a few jokes here and there. A few lols, if we can. It is the only podcast, guys, that actively promotes itself as a major bummer. <laughs> That's the USP here. Uh, it's like, um, it's like you will not leave this show feeling entertained or really any better about yourself, about life, love, the universe. You're actually going to feel a lot worse after this product. Like, it really is quite a unique selling point, isn't it? I don't know any other products that sell how bad you're going to feel after it. It's like, um, it's like Smirnoff advertising a bottle of vodka with the hangover that you're going to get from it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, here's a thing that's going to leave you feeling much worse, guys. Go buy it. Two for one. But yeah, anyway, welcome to, uh, to episode 193 of this shit. Let's do it. Let's get into it. Uh, cheeky wink. Cheeky uh, paternal approving dad wink at the Patreons, at my cult uh, over on patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson. That's where you get episodes two days before everybody else. First look at the live tickets uh, for the two live shows that I've got coming up. Uh, there's one on the 28th of September, which is a sort of, um, you know, a culty celebration of the growth of the podcast um and then the 10th of november a couple of months later which is me danny fucking price super tansky the three of us and some others that we've yet to confirm uh but that's live in tower hill in london so my one is in shoreditch and then the three of us we're doing one in tower hill and there's links to both of those in the description uh while and when i eventually end up publishing this on you know the usual platforms uh, but get in there quick, though, because as I've said before, uh, you know, these these things, they're going out onto like the Patreon um, platforms first so that the backers of the podcast can get first dibs on the tickets. And last time I checked, like half of them had gone already. So look, I'm just saying get in there quick, guys, or miss out. You have been warned. Um, anyway, cheers. Hope you're all well. Let's get into this. Uh, so news, politics, despair. What what tornado of ridiculousness are we dancing in the middle of this week? Let's let's peel the onion and see what there is to cry about out there. There's uh, there's a huge story <laughs> this week. You might have heard about it. Uh, it's a weird one. Uh, you know what I'm going to talk about. I know what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> There's, there's only one show in town this week, isn't there? It's the, uh, it's the BBC presenter thing, right? Like we're really living in a fucked up time now, aren't we? Where people within the media become the media's obsession, you know, to this extent. It's like a, a real um, uh, pop will eat itself, you know, like the media will eat itself kind of period like Gary Lineker criticized the government and it was a week-long scandal you know the BBC reporting about something that's happened in the BBC there's just you know front pages talk of suspensions the left defending him to the hilt while the right were not defending him <laughs> 
And in fact, you know, clumsily proving his point at almost every fucking juncture with that one. And now it's somebody else. And we, you know, I mean, we already know who it is, don't we, dear listeners? <laughs> we all already know who I'm talking about. Like, so we, should we just cut the shit about this unknown BBC presenter thing? You know, the, the unknown and unnamed BBC presenter, you know, I don't know. Like, it's like he has been named. <laughs> we all like we all know who he is right now, don't we? So why don't you just come out and say it? Some of you are going to be thinking like, well, are, are you going to say his name, Aid? No, <laughs> no, I'm not. Absolutely not. Do you think I'm fucking crazy? Really? Like, I'm barely clinging on to my kids' family home as it is. You think I want to survive the mortgage crisis only to get sued into obliv oblivion? <laughs> Lose the house anyway. Like, like, nice one, Dad. Nice one. You just escaped losing the house with the interest rate. Like, you were fucking, you were Indiana Jones. Just getting under the stone wall, you know, as it's coming down. And he drops his hat and then reaches out to grab it. And then the stone wall just comes to you. Know, he just misses it. That was you with the mortgage crisis. You skillfully maneuver your way through that shit. Only to lose the fucking house through naming someone on your show that you shouldn't have. Nice one, dad. <laughs> when is your big mouth going to earn us some money instead of costing us our financial security, dad? So no, I am. Uh, I'm not going to name him. Uh, you can expect lots of, lots of allegedly, lots of uh, reportedly, in this episode. This fucking uh, this minefield, having to talk about this stuff. Like I just I want to tell you guys like some news and then crack a few jokes about it. You know. That's all I want to. But you got me fucking like river dancing in a field of bear traps here legally speaking you know i just want to have some fun and yet there's just you know traps all right anyway right so let's talk about it some context first would be helpful i think so for those of you who listen to the show uh or who follow me on twitter uh who perhaps do not buy the sun uh <laughs> i know right there might there might shockingly be some followers of a left-leaning bellend like me who don't buy that rag so for the benefit of that small subset of people let's just give them some context here because they may have missed that story if they didn't buy the sun so this is a story about a phantom mythical bbc presenter uh it's about the sun itself uh, it's a story about photographs, about paying teenagers for them. It's it's messy, guys. So strap in. There's a lot of ickiness to this. So when when did this all start? So I think on Friday it was, or maybe it was. No, no, I think it was Friday. Uh, the Sun published a story about this unnamed BBC presenter, and and it, like, it's so fucked, is it? Like the unnamed. It's just this ambiguous, faceless, you know, we daren't say his name. It's, it's just like a fucking like stage name for Prince or something, isn't it? Like, like we used to know his name. Some of us still do know his name. But now, officially, it's the BBC presenter. Formerly known as whoever. Right. So, uh... Anyway, so this story blows up and there's there's these allegations of improper conduct and uh, age inappropriate relationships and webcams and payments of tens of thousands of pounds. Uh, but it is is a thing, right? This this was like a day after that other story, you know, that other thing that blew up on Twitter. Do you remember that? Like, I know the news cycle is quick. I know it moves incredibly fast, but just try to remember four and a half days ago. Just really, just try with me, right? Do you remember Friday morning? 
there was an email, an anonymous email, and it emerged on Reddit and Popbitch and Twitter, and it involved a former cabinet minister. Do you remember that? The email was trending. It blew up on Twitter. So this email, this poison pen letter, drops into the inboxes and accounts of wedding guests and journalists. It's everywhere. And it names people and it has dates and place names. And again, like without going into lurid detail, it, it seeks or it sought to severely damage the reputational character of this ex-Tory cabinet minister just ahead of his big day, right? Colossal story, embarrassment, possibly shame if its allegations were true. Possibly broken hearts. There's talk of affairs. There's talk of a barely 16-year-old girl maybe <laughs> allegedly getting shagged in toilet cubicles. And nobody knows if it's true or not, like it could all be bullshit. But how fucking interesting is it that the most explosive political story to blow up in months, like if it were true, how interesting is it that within a matter of hours, the Sun are running a front page headline about an equally explosive thing. Like it's almost too convenient, isn't it? Like it kind of, it kind of smacks of like, oh shit, you know, like somebody's dropped a bombshell and it's and it's hugely embarrassing for our side, lads. So what what have we got in the safe? What's in the chamber? The the BBC presenter story? Oh, okay, fuck it, yeah, put it out, put it out quick, you know, because this shit is supposed to have been first complained about. The BBC presenter story first complained about in May, right? So Murdoch and, you know, whoever the fuck edits that shit these days. I, I don't fucking know. I know Harry Cole's the political editor on a good day. Um, I don't know who's actually editing The Sun anymore. I probably should know that. But, like, I, I don't want to get too tinfoil hat about all of this. But I do wonder, like, how convenient is it that this story blew up literally the morning after... The email. Do you know what I mean? Now, I know there's going to be some people maybe who are listening to this and you're going to be like, oh, come on, Aid. No, that is that is too much. I thought you were an intelligent guy. I thought you at least feigned objectivity. Sometimes a story is just a story, you know? It's just a thing that comes out. You just don't like it because it's one of your side. You know, you've got this amiable BBC guy who... Wait, have I just named him? Maybe I... <laughs> Maybe, maybe I just went a little bit too far now. I'm sure there's lots of BBC guys. Uh, quickly row back. Like, it seems clear that it, this individual is at least a bit and you don't like that aid. But rather than hold your, your hands up and say, you know, wow, this guy is gross for doing that and he should lose his job or whatever, you have to see it as some kind of conspiracy by the sun. You know? Well, sometimes, aid, a cake is just a cake. Sometimes, aid... You know, an age-inappropriate man just pays a minor to take pictures of herself, and it's gross and it's unbecoming, but that is all that it is. It's not some big conspiracy by the Murdochs or, you know, it, it's just gross. And you should just be disappointed in that motherfucker. And then you should just move the fuck on. And fine, right? I get that. I get that sort of, you know, that read of what I'm saying. But all I'm saying is this, right, is that it's... It is interesting as fuck, is it not, to have these two explosive stories that have bubbled up to the brim of Twitter, you know, tickling the balls of defamation and privacy laws happening in the same 48-hour window, you know? Like, I'm not a mathematician or, or a, a probability expert, but you can see how unlikely that is, can't you? Like, it's not just me, is it? Like, I would say it is more likely than not that this is a story that's been locked away for a while, for a time, you know, when it can be used to fire back at the left or the centre, you know? I'd say that's more likely than it is just to have happened 
to have dropped the morning after the poison pen letter. If not for any other reason, right? Here's the thing with this. Like, like if you looked at this story through the prism of information warfare, right? You know, using news stories as ammunition. If you looked at this story through that prism, if you accept for a moment that the poison pen was fired by the left, we don't know who it was sent by, but let's assume for a second it was by someone on the left. And then the BBC presenter story was fired back by the right, right? If you accept or if you assume those two things for a second, what more evidence would you need than to see the BBC presenter story kind of rushed out? You know what I mean? Like when The Sun published a story, it's page fucking one, right? Plastered right across it. It's an expose, sort of, although they haven't named him officially, right? And yet, as they mentioned on the News Agents podcast last night, I don't know if any of you listened to that, but you absolutely should. Like, it's great. Um, uh, they had a former editor of The Sun on the show as a guest, right? And they, they mentioned this last night, that there was this total absence of, like, follow-up content and analysis and photos. Like the, the, the old editor of The Sun that he had on, uh, it's a guy called uh, Tony Yelland, I think. Uh, he edited The Sun years ago. Uh, but I think... Like he and maybe it was Emily Maitlis or John. So I can't remember who said it, but like one of them was saying how odd it is that you would run with a front page story that big, that explosive. And then there's no like, you know, more on page two, page three, page four and page five. It's a world exclusive guy. So like it's just the front page and very little else, which kind of leaves you with this feeling that like is was this thing barely finished and kind of hurried out, you know? So again, it's like, like I said before, it's like, oh shit, you know, someone's dropped a bombshell and it's hugely embarrassing for our side. And then the editor looks, well, 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 okay, well, what, what have we got in our chamber? You know, what can we fire back? Well, we've got this thing about uh, the BBC presenter. Do you remember that? But honestly, it's not, it's not really ready. Well, okay. How do you mean it's not ready? Well, you know, we've we got the girl's mum, but the girl herself claims that nothing happened. Oh, well, you know, this this is a pickle, you know. We have to put something out to dominate the news cycle, to, <laughs> to change the narrative, to move the needle, right? Fuck it, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll silhouette his head. We won't name him. That'll buy us a few days, right, to try and win her over, try and get the story out of her, get her on the front page on Monday or Tuesday, you know? Like, I'm not saying that's definitely what's happened here. But that is what it feels like has happened here. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was reading about it earlier. And, like, I, I don't I don't read the sun. Okay, that probably won't shock you. <laughs> but, I, but I do occasionally, in my better moments, I do occasionally do some research. For this show. Uh, I just work incredibly hard to make it appear very punk rock and haphazardly thrown together. But I do occasionally I do do some research uh, if I can be bothered. So um, so I was reading through the, the, the Sun story and you got the mum of the, you know, the apparent supposed victim. Uh, and we'll get on to why I'm phrasing it like that shortly. Uh, you've got the daughter who was 17 at the time who was allegedly being paid tens of thousands of pounds by this unnamed, unidentified BBC presenter. Uh, you've got the daughter, who is now 20 years old now, right? But she's not talking to anyone. And so, anyway, at some point, the mum says, she alleges, that she sees the video on the daughter's phone, right? Or the picture of this man. And the daughter then admits to her, like not publicly to us, but she apparently allegedly admits to the mum that she has been performing or doing something <laughs> for this man who is the well-known BBC presenter on a six-figure salary. So what is there that's missing from this? What is, what is not featured or covered or explored in this Sun reporting of what may or may not have happened here. Well, just be fucking patient. I'm getting to that, all right? Just bear with me. Now, the original story by The Sun 
is on the 7th of July. So what was that? Was that Friday? I think that was Friday. It says, the alleged recipient's mother, right, recipient being the recipient of the tens of thousands of pounds, uh, the mother said they had used the cash to fund a crack habit. All right? It's not good, guys. She got paid loads of money by this unnamed BBC presenter, and she apparently blew a lot of it on crack. And she added of the star, when I see him on telly, I feel sick. I blame this BBC man for destroying my child's life. Taking my child's innocence and handing over the money for crack cocaine that could kill my child. Like, okay, let's just, let's put a pin in that. There, just for a minute. Maybe, look, we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. Okay, there's a lot, there's a lot to explore there. It also says uh, a BBC star is off air after allegedly paying a teen more than £35,000 for sexual pictures. Uh, and it also says it says the family complained to the BBC about his behaviour on May the 19th. And they begged them to make the man stop sending the cash. They had discovered that their child had been using the money to fund their spiralling addiction to crack cocaine. So, OK. So the first thing that's popping in my head, right, and I know Emily Maitlis and John Sopel already said it last night, but there is a possibility that it could be blackmail here. You know, frequent transactions. Like if it's someone who's desperate for cash to fund an addiction, you know, their behaviour could descend into that kind of cold, calculating sort of, method you know as a means to extract funds from quite a wealthy guy so you can keep buying your crack right i know that sounds victim blamey and i'm not saying that's 100 percent what's happening here but it is an angle that is not even considered in the sun piece so there's that now the second thing is how oddly this is being framed like firstly in the there's no mention of the payment facility here, like the arrangement, how these two encountered one another, because that could change the dynamics of this hugely, right? I mean, if the guy was fucking hanging out in playgrounds and offering a grand to a nine-year-old, you know, like, yeah, shit me out, you know, I'm the guy off the telly, you know, who, who wants a PS5? Yeah, you, you, yeah, then show me your fanny, you know, like that is not... Obviously, that, that would be paedophilic. That would be highly illegal. And that individual should be violently castrated and thrown into salt water. That is what should happen to that. But that is a massively different scenario <laughs> to, I don't know, you know, if this guy goes on to, say, fucking OnlyFans, you know, or something similar, right? Like, I don't know what the alternatives are out there, but I'm sure there's other service providers of that ilk that are available. <laughs> sugardaddies.com or whatever. Okay, and then if he searches for blondes with big boobs and, you know, and then this girl pops up. And remember, she is legally a girl at this point. She's 17 years old, right? But if she somehow set up an account on an adult content marketplace and this guy just happens across her you know, twixt many other adult content when he just clicks on her and pays her a grand this month for exclusively produced content and then a grand next month. And over the space of three years, maybe it does mount up to 30,000. You know, like I'm not saying it's not creepy. Obviously, it's creepy. <laughs> but that is a significantly different situation to what they're making it sound like in this piece. And remember, the police haven't charged him with anything, right? There's no investigation even happening. They've already confirmed that. Which, to my mind, like, I mean, we can rant about the rights and wrongs of, you know, the criminal justice system all day and, and the conviction rate for, for abusers and, you know, whatever, all of that being abysmal, which it absolutely is. We can talk about that all day, every day. But the fact is, if he's just gone 
on OnlyFans or something and paid someone who he thinks is of age. And then it turns out retrospectively that she was 17 when it started. You know, like, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news with this. <laughs> like, although that is basically my fucking USP, we sort of covered that in the intro, right? But, like, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news again. But that kind of isn't a crime. Like, yes, it's weird and it's creepy and it's unbecoming of a publicly funded employee on a rumoured £300,000 salary or whatever the fuck he's on. But, like, why would you think that wasn't going to come out? First of all, you fucking moron. <laughs> like, publicly funded. And he's just like, yeah, I'll send you pictures of me hanging out at work and then later request sordid MP4s from me. Like, how would you think that wasn't going to come out? Anyway. But yeah, I really, I really feel like the sun might be lighting themselves up for a fall here. If not for any other reason than the fact that, you know, the sun themselves, only a few years ago, <laughs> were paying girls a year younger than this one to pose for sexual pictures for them. Like, the whole thing is fucking ridiculous. Like, I'm sorry if your daughter went on to OnlyFans. If indeed she did go on to OnlyFans. I don't know who the, what website or transaction thing it is that they've encountered each other via because the son haven't fucking told us. I'm sorry if that happened. But with every hour that passes, you know, honestly, this is what it is looking more and more clearly like to me. Is that here is this girl who went on a website to make some money... Maybe she had some substance abuse problems and this motherfucker comes on like, hey, yeah, I'm, I make 300 grand a year. Maybe I pay you, adult content creator. Maybe I pay you to, you know, show me your tits for a bit, you know, <laughs> post me your pants or some shit. And then it comes out that she was 17 when it started. And that somewhere along the way, she started using crack and it descended into a crushing nightmare addiction which is sad i know we all know people who succumb to addiction in one way or another he says <laughs> cracking open another beer but with but with every hour that passes like to me that is what this story looks more and more like like it'll end up being like i really don't want to sound like an asshole about this <laughs> i mean i was like oh, i happily sound like an asshole about some other stuff but i'm just saying come on like this whole I blame the BBC man for destroying my child's life. Well, then you or the son or someone need to tell us how they met. That's the first fucking thing, right? And then, like, taking my child's innocence and handing over... The, like, how old was she? Was she nine? Was she seven? Taking my child's innocence... I'm going to ask you again. How old was she? Was she, like, a, an innocent child? No, she was 17. Well, Really? Are we, are we banging that drum? Are we <laughs> taking my child's innocence and handing over the money for crack cocaine that could kill my child? Like, this just seems a stretch, man. Like, come on. We're all grown-ups here. Did he know she was a child? Then why aren't the police investigating? Did he know he was funding a crack habit? Or is it more likely that he just went on his laptop and paid for some dirty pictures and she was desperate enough to use this sudden influx of, you know, ostensibly porn cash on crack? You know, like, can we just get some of these omissions and redactions filled in, please? Just a couple of them. Now, the other angles and other layers to this thing are the, you know, the sort of the twittery ones, if you like. You know, right off the back of the release of Instagram threads, which happened over the weekend, you know, the new Twitter competitor. And like, like a day, a day after or a day before that shit was launched, Twitter <laughs> in the UK news capacity, right? Twitter's like, yo, let's do what we do. <laughs> Just wildfire speculation. Names getting thrown around. The sun don't name him, but the internet picks up the slack. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a frenzy. And 
And so within a day or so of this, you know, this Sun story breaking, you're seeing people like, you know, Gary Lineker, people like Jeremy Vine, people like Rylan. All these names and faces being tossed about like it's, oh, it's, it's definitely him, you know. Only for some of these people, completely devoid of any understanding of, like, defamation law. <laughs> Just jump on Twitter witlessly. Then they get threatened with legal action a few hours later, you know? And it's so fuck. It's like chef's kiss, schadenfreude, to see these sort of flag emoji accounts. Like, Jeremy Vine's one was, was my favourite. I don't know if you saw it. It's like, this, this guy comes on Twitter and quote tweets the news story, right? It was like, you know unnamed BBC presenter in, in dock over blub, you know, or hauled off air or yeah, something like that. And this guy comes on, quote tweets it, and he literally says, it's Jeremy Vine. <laughs> like, they were his actual words. Just bulldozes into the conversation, just pushes the silhouettes and the whispers out the way. He's like, guys, it's Jeremy Vine. Like, glad I could help. And then, like, logs off. Like... And then Vine comes on. He's like, oh, now, no, no, come on. Come on. I I am angry about this. You know, and everyone's like, well, why, Jeremy? Like, what's happened? Well, this um, this this Andy Plum fellow is saying, uh, you know, I'm the, the BBC presenter that's being suspended for sexual misconduct. Right. And well, and I'm, I'm very angry about it. I uh, I don't understand, uh, Jeremy. Did he um, did he call you a nonce? while cutting you up in the cycle lane is, is that like jeremy jeremy vine's tweets like a 98 <laughs> percent cycle cam cycle lane videos <laughs> that's his whole like content output it's like him going into the studio and getting cut up by a fucking delivery courier ordering delivery for himself on his phone while delivering delivery, do you know what I mean? Like, and Jeremy's like, "Oh, look, another one looking at his phone while driving." <laughs> like, like I like the idea that Jeremy Vine tweets these videos and these drivers, right, that he captures on his videos. I love the idea that he tweets the videos out, but the drivers themselves are subbed to his Twitter, right? So every time he tweets about inconsiderate drivers, they get notified, pull out their phones while driving, and it pisses him off even more. Like, he's, he's stuck in this causality loop with it all, you know? Anyway, so, where was I? What the fuck was I talking about? Oh, right, so Vine, Lineker, Rylan. Loads of them getting incorrectly named. Uh, and this, this one guy, Andy Plum, right, goes on and he says, it's Jeremy Vine, right? And then... And then later, he, he tweets again. He says, like, the BBC nonce is... And then he puts a big picture of Jeremy Vine up. And so then, obviously, Jeremy Vine threatens him with legal action. And you would think, you know, to sane people, to reasonable people who have some kind of understanding of repercussion and, you know, legalities and defamation law or whatever, you would think some of us, when being threatened like that, we might be like, oh, fuck, better, better rein this shit in, better delete my account. You know, that sort of vibe. So he threatens him with legal action. And the guy, this Andy Plum guy, posts his actual address, you know, in, and he, he's like, come on, then. <laughs> like, like, and then he tells him, he tells Jeremy Vine that he's reviled, that he's a woke cycling bastard or, or something, you know, like proper putting his balls on the table with it, you know, <laughs> Andy Plum. Andy Plum 4 on Twitter is like, you're the nonce. He's like, um, no, 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 I'm not. Well, 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 you're really unpopular. <laughs> well, that, that may be true, but um, nonce and unpopular are completely different things. I mean, you, you could actually be a popular nonce if you, uh, if, you, if you really wanted to be. I mean, if you read up on Led Zeppelin and, and Bill Wyman. Well, what, what, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean? No, never mind. It, it'll fucking blow your mind if you read up on that. Anyway, look, you, you publicly called me a paedophile. So could you just, like, take it down? Or I'm I'm going to sue you. Oh, no, go, go fuck yourself. Listen, listen, Andy Plum. Uh, I, I really don't want to ruin anyone's life financially. But I, I will get my lawyer 
onto this and I will track you down. It, it would be much simpler if you just apologized and just, you know, remove the tweet. Go fuck a bicycle repair shop, you fucking twat. I live at number 30. Blah, blah, you know, like, like there really is a fine line between balls on the table bravery. You know, just bold as fuck. Just like Tupac Shakur level no fucks given. The fine line between that and just utter stupidity, isn't there? And I mean, <laughs> if, if you ever need to, like, you know, cut that fine line, you know, see which side of it the person that you're talking about sits on, you should just do what I did, which is, like, I just went to the guy's profile, and uh, and there it is, you know, right at the top, just this big old proud to be British banner, right? <laughs> like, and then the bio says patriot and proud Brit, you know, and then the tweets are deriding lefties and there's reposts of Tommy Robinson shit, like all of the hits, guys, all of them there. And so, yeah, predictably, in a matter of hours, came a groveling rowback. <laughs> it's like chef's kiss. Oh. Shall I read it out to you? Shall I tell you guys what he said? So bear in mind. He, he says that Vine is the BBC nonce. Vine says, I will fucking sue you for this. This guy says, oh, you know, go fuck yourself, basically. Uh, maybe not in those words, but, you know, here's, here's my address. I don't give a shit sort of thing. And here's, and then he obviously is contacted by lawyers or something happens because then he, and then he posts this. He goes, I only drink at the weekends, which is just fucking amazing defense just i've done comedy for fucking years and i can tell you now that is a great opener guys that is like like this this is how you know it's not really a fair fight you know this motherfucker does not have a lawyer because that would not be the opener of your defense of your counter argument <laughs> it's like andy andy um you're about to get sued into oblivion. Uh, have you got any last words before we file this? Uh, well, in my defence, um, I only drink at weekends. Like, is that is that defence? Is it really? Well, well, I think you know. How bad would I be if I drank all the time? You know. Well, yeah. If you were this defamatory and insufferable, you know, like five or six or seven days a week. Oh yeah, oh, that's what I mean. You know, I'm sort of doing you all a favour. By holding back, answer. You know, if you if you think it, well, I mean, that is that is a generous interpretation there. And he, like he says, he says, I only drink at, at the weekends because it helps to break up the week. That's what he says. He says, you know, being retired and all. This is pretty. This is word for word what he said. It's like being retired and all. You know, it helps to restore that Friday feeling that people who work get. And he says, when I'm pissed, like many others, I send daft tweets which are then later deleted the following morning. He says it's perfectly normal behaviour displayed by thousands of Twitter users. Like, no, it's not, Andy. It's not fucking normal. Like others, when I'm pissed, I, I send daft tweets, just like you do it. <laughs> just like we all do when we, when we slug a bottle of Farage gin, you know, and we open up the Chromebook and call people that we don't know paedophiles. We all do it. We all do it. And frankly, guys, the fact I'm the only one holding up my hands and admitting it says more about you lot than it does about me. You're all, you're all, you're all liars. You lot can't admit it. So you're all liars who should suck my dick for, for not being this insufferable the other six days. That way. Anyway, look, staggeringly, this was deemed an insufficient apology <laughs> by, by Vine's lawyers. Uh... I mean, I assume that. I don't know. I, I don't know what Jeremy Vine's lawyers actually said or, uh, you know, threatened him with. Um, but that tweet appears to now have gone. Like, I, I can't find it anymore. And it's been replaced by a more specific one. Because <laughs> that one, you will notice, so I don't know if you did a lot, but it doesn't actually say anything about Jeremy Vine not being the BBC nonce. It just says... You know, I, I drink on the weekends and sometimes I say stupid shit, you know. So I reckon Vine's lawyers read that and they were like, do you want to try that again? 
So here comes the sequel, right? This was sent out yesterday lunchtime. And he says, it's obviously not Jeremy Vine. My apologies. Not because of the threat of legal action, <laughs> but because it's the right thing to do. I'll keep me, me mouth shut on the subject until the individual is named. So it's like, it's obviously not Vine, is what he says. It's obviously not. That much was obvious, Andy Plum, to even a casual observer. Even while you were prodding the bear, telling him to come for you. Like, it was obviously not him, Andy. My apologies. My apologies to Jeremy Vine. Not because of the threat of legal action, you understand. Not Nothing to do with that. But just because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> I mean, sure, yeah. Clearly it is the right thing to do. But here's where I'm confused, right? If it's, if it's not because of the legal action, if it's just because it's the right thing to do, and it was obvious that it wasn't or isn't Jeremy Vine, then what's changed Andy Plum. What changed between the weekend and now? You know? <laughs> what changed? If it was obvious it wasn't Jeremy Vine, and it's not because of the legal action, and it's just the right thing to do, which it was already the right thing to do three days ago. <laughs> what changed between the weekend and now? Show us your DMs. <laughs> Put them on OnlyFans. I'll pay you 30 grand over three years to show me your DMs. Anyway, last bit on this. Let's just uh, let's try and get through this without me going too insane. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. So I wanted to touch a little bit on last night's developments. Because the story thus far has come from the mum, right? We know that. It's the mum who's referring to her child, which, you know, I mean, like... Again, I, I don't want to get too victim blamey here, but we all need to have a fucking conversation in this country about when we start treating people like adults and shit. You know, like you can't be in this societal framework where we I, nationally, I mean, like not we, you and me, dear listeners, because, uh, you know, we are sane people who are capable of rational thought. But I mean, nationally, we're batshit, right? <laughs> so nationally, we need to have a conversation. We're like, we can't demonise someone like Shamima Begum, who was 15, joining ISIS. Then we're like, well, she knew what she was doing, you know? And in the same breath, you know, act like 17-year-olds don't know what they're doing when they engage in this sort of arrangement, you know? I blame the BBC for destroying my child's life. Like, okay. Okay, like, let me just be a little bit understanding here, right? If my daughter was 17, I'd probably feel the same. I'd feel protective. I would still see my daughter as someone vulnerable, you know, especially if there were addiction issues or something at play. I would see her as someone who fell prey to this older, more powerful, rich and abusive man, you know, I'm positive. I would feel like that. But societally, we have to be better than the individual. Do you know what I mean? In that, like, Ides of March mentality, in whatever the scenario. Like, the obvious one is always the death penalty. Like, if someone kicks your fucking dog, you would want that motherfucker strung up, right? If someone punched my six-year-old son, I would want to set that cunt on fire. I would. But society has restrictions, and laws to stop us all acting on instinct, to maintain civility. And so even though I would feel exactly the same as this mum in the sun thing, like, I kind of feel like if society is, you know, at least currently suggesting that 15-year-olds know what they were doing, you know, then society has to at least consider the possibility that a 17-year-old is at least partially responsible for entering whatever the fuck this arrangement was or whatever it turns out to be. You know? God, I feel like even saying this stuff is, like, hugely problematic. <laughs> well, you can't say anything nowadays, etc., etc. But, like, I'm just saying. 
what am I saying? <laughs> Let me think about this. 14 is even younger, right? Now, 14 is when I started to think like an adult. It just is. I know it's different for some people. I know people mature at different rates and so on. Some people never get there. <laughs> some people just fucking exist, don't they? They just get born. They eat frozen food. <laughs> they, they drink a few cans of monster energy drinks and then they babble on about Corrie and then they keel over and they fucking die. That's about half the country that never graduate to actually thinking and reasoning and speaking like an adult. But I was 14. That's when I remember, you know, coming online, if you like. I don't know. But let's, you know, for the sake of argument, let's bolt a couple of years onto that. Let's say I'm 16. Or let's say I'm 17, you know, just, just so I'm exactly the same age as this girl was when she engaged in this arrangement or relationship or whatever. Like, when I was 17... I know it's anecdotal as fuck, but like when I was 17, I got myself in some stupid situations. You know, I got hammered once uh, and me and my mate, we walked over a bunch of cars, man, and I got arrested for criminal damage. I was fucking stupid and it was, you know, I was ashamed of it and my mum was fucking livid, obviously. Like, I was the first person in my family to get arrested, but also to go to university. So, you know, I got it kind of evened out. But anyway, I, at 17... Another thing I did, I got way too drunk in Kidwell's Park in Maidenhead. And I got headbutted in the face by a girl <laughs> for literally no reason. Just there's colossal amounts of stupidity and silly situations going on when I was 17. But even when I was 17, you know, three years after I came online thinking like an adult, however dumb I was, however short termist my mentality, however devoid of the concept of repercussions I might still have been with my, you know, not fully formed frontal lobe or whatever. I still think, had a guy approached me with £30,000 and said, you know, I will pay you to send me videos of you getting undressed. Like, I would know what that was. I just fucking would. And yes, we can have a conversation about power dynamics and vulnerable drug addicts and so on. But can we please, you know, we nationally, please can we drop this idea that every 17-year-old is a damsel in distress, you know? Or can we just have a conversation about age and responsibility and, and just redefine where that starts and stops? Because, frankly, it's not clear. <laughs> frankly, it's not obvious, Andy Plum 4. <laughs> we need to clear this up, or Andy Plum 4 may get confused again. But, yeah, last night, the young lady in question the latest developments are, that her lawyer, her lawyer this time, has released a statement or something on her behalf. And it says that the whole thing is bollocks. Wow. Like, how about that shit? It's like, here is this girl, right, 17 at the time when it started, apparently selling pictures of herself. And then we have the artist, formerly known as the BBC presenter, formerly known as whoever, right? Spending 30 grand on this stuff over three years. She uses the money for crack. The mum says, I blame this BBC man for my daughter's crack addiction. Then the daughter comes out and goes, I like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? That's, this is all rubbish. <laughs> so now the son are in quite a tricky position, aren't they? Because they've run a story about a young woman, a vulnerable, crack-addicted, 17-year-old, you know, with a view to ejecting this guy from his job and embarrassing the BBC. But now the young woman in question, who all of this shit is supposed to have happened to, is like, uh, this is, this is all fucking, like, none of this has happened. <laughs> so what happens next? This story keeps developing, man. What happens next? The son get found out, maybe, that they've manufactured a story or that they didn't source it properly. They might get sued to fuck. Maybe Jeremy Vine could pass them as lawyers. I don't know. Maybe they get, you know, publicly reprimanded. They get dragged into an inquiry like the phone hacking shit. 
Is the woman lying to protect her livelihood or to protect the man in question? Is it some sort of Stockholm syndrome where she feels a duty to protect him and his reputation, even though he's abusing her? These questions and more will be answered on the next edition of Aid Thompson. And, I mean, what the fuck am I talking? They won't be answered on the next episode. We'll be on to something else next time, such as the quick nature of this weird information warfare period that we're living in right now. If this is a big expose, somebody else is going to fire back in a couple of days and it'll turn out that Rishi Sunak is running a brothel or something like There'll be something else firing back that will just dominate the news agenda. Anyway, there is no suggestion that Rishi Sunak is running a brothel. Let's just get that out there straight off the bat. Uh, guys, who's coming to the live show? Who's coming to the live edition of the podcast? It's on the 28th of September. Uh, it's at the book club in Shoreditch. You're going to see me, John Left of the Countryside, uh, Ashley Hayden, Otto English. It's a night of stand-up. It's a, a weird sort of cult theme, sort of comedy night. I'm going to do a live podcast. There's going to be like sort of Kool-Aid in punch bowls to drink on the sides. There's going to be Psalms. <laughs> going to do like live readings kind of stand-up vibe it's going to be a lot of fun uh super tansky's coming down uh she's like not on the bill if you like but she's going to be there as well uh it's going to be a bunch of us man it's going to be a good time so if you want to grab tickets for that there are still some available uh, you can jump on the link in the description also if you can't make september do consider coming to see me super tansky danny fucking price we're all doing a riot society gig again that's on friday the 10th of november uh, it's going to be a lot of fun too. Uh, we've got a couple of big names to throw into the mix on that. Um, we're just in the final process of dealing with their agents and all the other fucking annoying processes that you have to go through to put on nights like this. Anyway, it's hopefully the night will be more fun than the organisation thereof. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to that, man. So that's Friday the 10th of November, and that you can get tickets for that on the link in the description also. Um, just want to say a quick shout out to all of the Patreon backers who continue their love and support of the show. Uh, so shout outs, top of the caps to Bowman, Christy, David, Mojo Sabian, Peter Del Monte, the fantastically named Peter Del Monte, uh, Pingu, Silent, Stuart, T-Rex, Aaron, Alex, Jeff, Ned, Sarah, uh, Simon, uh, Elisa, sorry, Ailsa, Anthony, Chris, Fat Shirley, Malcolm, Rodri, and Kerry. Thank you so, so much, guys. Uh, I'll be chatting to all of you in the Discord chat, I'm sure, very soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Keep it strictly hashtag booge, strictly hashtag binfluencer, and I'm out this motherfucker.